Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Three years ago, uh, part of my family took off to Europe. They'll have a picture, right, as you can kind of get to know us. This is three of my kids. We got a chance to spend 12 days in Europe. And when you get that type of opportunity, right, you take full advantage of every moment. Uh, and we had a chance to, to fly into Germany, Munich, and then we, we took a train to Salzburg. I highly recommend Salzburg, by the way. Picked up a rental car and drove Italy from top to bottom. The Dolomites all the way down to the Mediterranean Sea. We had an incredible trip for 11 of those 12 days. Because the first day was a completely different story, right? When you're in Europe, you take advantage of every opportunity. Am I right? That's what I thought. But, you know, people say, hey, you got to build in a travel day, an acclimation day. I'm like, no, no. You take advantage of every day. No travel day. No sit sleeping in the hotel. You sleep on the plane, and then you hit the ground running, right? Did you see the picture of the ages of my kids, right? That my capacity is not their capacity. And uh, I learned that the hard way because we, um, there wasn't a whole lot of sleep that happened on the plane. Thank you, you know, in-flight movies at your tip of your fingers. And uh, we hit the ground at 8 a.m., and uh, no sleep had been had for about 24 hours, but was that gonna stop me? No, when you're in Europe, you take advantage of being in Europe. And, uh, and so we're walking, we're walking along, literally my, my six-year-old, my seven-year-old, she has a, she's got luggage on her back and all of a sudden just stops at one point. We've been walking for minutes. She stops and goes, whoa, 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 where am I? It's like, babe, we've, we, we're in an airport, we've landed, you've been walking, I actually have been talking with you. She's like, I don't, and freaking out. She didn't know where we had been. She'd been sleepwalking for the last few minutes, right? It's scary. Later that day, uh, one of my other kids, we're, we're checking in at the hotel and he just screams, I need a Band-Aid and runs into the employee supply room. Didn't even know it, right? And, uh, and try, you know, with the language barrier, try explaining to people that are watching what's happening, right? I'm just kind of a horrible game of charades, like, you know, you know, like trying to, trying to communicate. And uh, man, my kids were sleepwalking in Europe, literally. I mean, we were having conversations, poor guys, delirious. So we kind of stopped what we were doing and built in that travel day, right? We got acclimated, had a great uh, 11 days of the trip. Uh, and I, you know, just to turn it for a moment, the reason why I just, I linger on that, that idea of sleepwalking, man, they looked awake, but they were in fact asleep. And uh, if I had to guess, that's been some of our church experiences in here. When I grew up going to church, it, it looked like a church. It sometimes talked like a church. They occasionally seemed to be walking, but I look back now and I'm like, I think that wasn't the church getting after it. I think they were sleepwalking and going through the, the motions. And I think that's exactly uh, some of the things that the church in Ephesus was at risk of doing was kind of sleepwalking through the great mission that they were called to be on. And it's why smack dab in the middle of our passage, Paul writes, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you, right? Saying, hey, church in Ephesus, it's time to wake up. It's time to come to life. 
One of the things that we've said consistently from this platform is that the greatest evil in the American church today is the dead church. The one that uh, we would say the job description has somehow turned into you show up, you shut up, and you pay up. Right? And, and everyone cuts the deal with one another. That, that deal which is, hey, you don't meddle in my life and I won't meddle in your life. You tell me I'm doing a good job, I'll tell you you're doing a good job. We'll keep the lights on in, in, in the building and then we'll go home and we'll call that church. And it has wreaked havoc in our land and we wake up today and we've seen the effects of what a dead church has done in our culture, right? As the church has decayed in large ways, we have so too have seen the decaying church or the decaying culture around us. And all I wanna start by saying is as, as we look around us, don't panic, right? And the goal of this morning is not to throw stones at dead churches because I want us to be in a posture where we go, hey, that can happen to us too if we're not ready. And just as I think it's fair to say that the greatest evil in the church and in, in, in culture today is the dead church, I want us to flip that equation on its head and go, I think the greatest gift to the world, to the to to America, will be how Christ uses the alive church going forward. And so if the job description is not show up, shut up, and pay up, then what is the job description of the alive church? Enter Ephesians 5. And so as we look in, I, I want us to investigate together. I think Paul's going to give us a great start to the job description. And all I want to do this morning is kind of lift the job description straight from the text. And so we're going to build it together. I want you to come with me into Ephesians 5 and let's look at it together and to begin to build out what the description of an alive church looks like. So turn with me to Ephesians 5 verse 1. It says this, Paul's writing, therefore that, as we've said over and over again, therefore he, Paul's masterfully through the work of the Spirit building upon his letter to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, be imitators of God, right? In Leviticus, Old Testament, it says, be holy as I am holy, the Lord says, right? That's what last week we talked about as we are to walk in holiness. That's imitating God as beloved children. And then here's where our job description is gonna begin to build out more tangibly. It says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The first thing that we are called to do is to walk sacrificially, walk in sacrificial love towards one another. And by doing so, we're imitating God. We've talked about this. We've seen the riches that we have in how the Lord has loved us. And it's been all throughout Ephesians, but let me just call out Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, which says, but God, being rich in mercy, part of what we're supposed to imitate, and because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead, that's a radical disease, am I right? Being dead made us alive together with Christ. We were dead in our trespasses, we're made alive together with Christ. We who had a radical disease were in need of a radical remedy, and that remedy was Christ going to the cross on our behalf. It was Christ shedding his blood for our sins. If you don't know that truth today, it is our great privilege to keep putting it in front of us, reminding ourselves that we're all in a place of having a radical disease, of being dead in our trespasses, but Christ can make us alive together if we will trust in his provision for us on the cross. And it's, that was a sacrificial 
love. That radical disease required a radical remedy. As the scripture says, no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for another. Jesus is both our savior in how he laid down his life, and he's also our model, he who we are to imitate, right? He's the gold standard for us in terms of modeling our love after that, that our love is to be a self-sacrificial type. But you can bet on it that if God establishes it, if he models it, and I'm talking sacrificial love, you can, I can promise you Satan will try to counterfeit it and watch how Satan counterfeits it. In verse three, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. And I think what Paul's getting at here, right, is, is uh, one of the things you should know as a believer, sin is different in the believer than it is the unbeliever. You tracking with me? Sin, it, it's different. Yes, it's forgiven. You've been rescued from it. But sin is different in the believer's heart than it is an unbeliever. It's worse. And that we, with the great knowledge, we, with the great understanding of the wealth that we have in Christ, we who understands the mission that we're supposed to be on and what we've been rescued from and how we're supposed to be useful to him to walk in a manner worthy with the spirit in us in order for us to quench the spirit so that we can move towards immorality, sexual, or any other type of lust, it's a worse sin because we have the greater light. We have greater access to the promises. We know better. That's what Paul's saying, it's not proper, especially among saints. And so let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor, nor crude joking, right? We're gonna see that, that what Satan's imitating is instead of external love that's meant to give itself up, we, we, we turn it on ourselves. We make this life about ourselves and it's out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving coming out of your mouth, right? For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Even if we've been rescued for all of eternity, we'll miss out on what God's trying to do here if we are living this way. In Revelation, when, 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 when God speaks to the church in Ephesus, he, he, he said, hey, Ephesus, in, in Revelation 2, 4, this I have against you, that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. And he, and he had talked about some of the deeds he had seen. You guys, his reference was like, hey, you've had some sacrificial love, but now you've abandoned and you're walking away from me and it's changing how you're loving other people. You're no longer imitating my love. They were off mission. Their love for God had waned. And, uh, and it's stuff that we see in churches all the time because as we say, it's tenuous, it's fragile. And so one of the things that, that I remember, it was about 14 or 15 months ago, I had shared, it may have been like in a button or, or something, but I had just said, hey, one of the things that I've heard stirring up in our body is, is some of the stories that I've been hearing, the thing that kept bubbling up to the top, the thing that kept bubbling up that I kept hearing about was, man, we have a great parking lot here, right? Like some of us have used that. I've been guilty of that. Like we celebrated the parking lot and, and I heard phrases like, hey, it's like Watermark Dallas, but we have better parking. And uh, when I first started here, that's, I, I, we still have the same parking lot. But what I heard was, hey, come get discipled here. My marriage was changed here. I met Christ here. I've become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And somewhere along the way, there was a stretch where there was still some of that happening, but it sure felt like we were waning from our first love. And now we were celebrating the parking lot more than the life change of what Christ was doing in and through his people. 
And I, we just talked about it for a little bit. And I look up 15 months later and I just wanna say, way to go, City Bridge. I've watched you model sacrificial love in really encouraging ways. And it's been so sweet to watch. When COVID hit, right? I watched business owners here do whatever it took, skip paychecks, reduce budgets in different ways so that they could continue to pay some of their employees and not have to furlough them. And it was, mar it was sacrificial, costly love. And I just wanna say, way to go. As we were launching, I've watched countless people, I mean, countless people give their time, talent, treasure to help get us to a place where we are today. There's still lots of work happening, right? But four months into this thing, we're still standing. And we're, yes, and, and we're, we're moving and things are building and people are getting discipled and shepherded here because of the faithful contributions, the sacrificial contributions of the body. I wanna say way to go. Maybe the craziest one, if you really think about it, is I've seen a lot of people here switch community groups and do it without grumbling. Way to go, right? That's not easy sometimes, right? Community, it can be hard to build those relationships and you, many of you joyfully have gone, hey, I wanna make sure I'm in a group that's here and fully here and I wanna celebrate that. That is sacrifice and even amidst some of the, the COVID stuff. I mean, just one specific example that I've just been spurred on by is I watched um, other moms care for some single moms who still needed to work and I watched them rally around, create schedules so that their kids could come be watched by other faithful followers as daycares and centers were closed. I watched the body of Christ go, we'll watch your kids so that you can go and provide for your family. And it's been deeply encouraged to be clear, I'm glad we have a good parking lot, okay? I'm not bagging the parking lot. But I hope it's reason 375 why people are drawn here, right? And I remind myself this thing is fragile and it's tenuous and we have to keep walking in sacrificial love. It's one of the reasons, right, as you, as you just see some of the things that we can fall prey to, sexual immorality, impurity, filthiness, or foolish talk. One of the things I do on my phone, I would encourage you, is at 10.13 p.m., if you're already in bed, great, do it 10.13 a.m., I set my alarm, 1013, that's 1013, right? Psalm 1013 says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away and it shall not cling to me. This thing is tenuous. I am minutes away from making a poor decision, especially at 1015 at night, at 1013 at night. And that reminder on my phone changes my mind, reminds me what, who I'm supposed to be and many a times it has resulted in turning off the TV or putting down what I was reading and reading something else. So that's the first, walk in sacrificial love. Let's keep reading. The job description gets better. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. We've seen that be a struggle for churches. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. That's a good start to the job description, there's more to it though because many, many have taken a verse like this and said, okay, if that's my job, then I'm supposed to go build a bubble, I'm gonna go supposed to build a monastery far out and, and, and tuck myself in the far corners of the world so sin can't get close to me. That's not the job description, keep reading. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. What does that mean? Paul's gonna keep unpacking it here. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Here's the job description. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That's what he had basically said in verse seven, but here he adds to it. But instead expose them. 
That's the job description. And I will call, I will say it this way. This verse 11, in my margin, I just have written the high call of shepherding. That is a high call of shepherding, right? To not take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And let me just tell you a couple of ways I've seen churches and frankly, what I have done at times, what this verse doesn't mean. The first thing is, is, it, is it doesn't say, but instead ignore it, right? And, and, and the church, and unfortunately for me, to my shame, there have been times where I have seen something and instead of moving towards it, I've kind of ignored it and turned my back and kind of hope it went away. And as we've said multiple times around here, it has been quoted in the last 50 years a lot. All that it takes for evil to grow is for faithful men and women to be silent. That's all that sin and evil and darkness needs to grow is for the faithful to, to ignore it and stay silent. The second thing, and, 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 the, and, and this is what I wanna call out, that word expose might have a connotation that you think is, that is different than the text because sometimes what the church has done is kind of when we've pulled back the curtain from something, gone, aha, I knew it, I got you. And that's not what this verse is saying either. The Greek word here for expose, is a, it's a word called electo, and it carries a rich meaning, and one I would say that has a positive connotation. The idea is, yes, you unmask sin, you reveal it, you, you recognize, you call it out, but you do so so that restoration can come in. You do so in a way that allows for healing to come in. You reveal it, you point it out, you go, that's a wound. Are you ready for the ointment? That's what this verse implies. And we do this, we expose sin, this, this high call of shepherding, right, as we walk with people, because sin loves to live undefined. Sin loves to grow in darkness and kind of amoeba around. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced the enemy is great with kind of just high level authenticity, high level, just, yeah, I'm struggling with lust. I, I think the enemy's like, that's fine. I can, I can move around in that darkness. I can still make sure you're held captive and bonded in that. So we've got to expose it. We've got to keep letting light shine on it. Let me tell you about a time that I almost took a deal with somebody. We almost cut the deal. I was walking with somebody a few years ago and uh, we were both followers of Christ. We had known each other for a few years and we were just kind of talking high level catching up and it was, uh, hey, yeah, I've had some struggles and uh, yeah, I've had some struggles, but we're doing okay now. And you could almost see we were looking at each other like, you wanna take the deal? I kinda wanna take the deal. You wanna take the deal? I kinda wanna take the deal. Let's not go any further here. Let's just enjoy the meal, right? But as I just kind of led out with sharing my story, some of which you heard last week, it began to change the tenor of the room. Light but was beginning to shine on our conversation in a way, right? The Lord was starting to get to work in my heart and in his. And as I led out, he followed suit and began to talk about some of his struggles. And uh, he began to just, we started to build a relationship and he talked about some of his struggles with, with lust and some of his struggles with anger and I began to, move in towards him, and instead of cutting the deal, I kept going, hey, let's just keep talking about it. Let's keep shining the light, right? Let's expose it. Let's draw it out in our lives. A week or two later, I just, I remember going, man, I've yet to, he keeps talking about anger, and, and he doesn't strike me as the angry kind. 
And so as I walked with him, I just, I asked him one son, I asked him one time, I just was like, hey, when you say anger, what do you mean by that, right? It's a great question, right, as shepherds to, to ask. What do you mean by that? Or give me an example of what you're talking about. And as soon as I asked that question, I, his demeanor changed. Felt like light was beginning to expose something in a healthy way. And he just said, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, I can be mean at my parents. I, I can, it's road rage sometimes. And I was like, wait, wait, what, what, what do you mean by road rage? Like, are we talking, right? That can mean a lot of different things. So what does that mean? Give me an example. And as I talked further with him, he's like, well, you know, I mean, just, uh, you want an example? And so, you know, I, you start to see his bottom lip quivering a little bit, right? As, and he said, well, there was a, there was a, a few months ago, I was driving and, and uh, we were going uh, on 75 and uh, this lady cut me off and I got mad. And so I was trying to get her attention. I was like, okay, what do you mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right, was it honking, hand gestures, what are we talking about? And uh, he goes, no, I mean, so what I did was he, she wasn't paying attention so I whipped around her and, and I pulled up on her left and here's the frustrating thing is she was on her phone looking the other way and so that really made me mad. And at this moment, there's, there's some tears starting to form in his eyes and, and that bottom lip is really quivering and he goes, and then, and then I lost control of my car. And I spun out and hit her and four other cars behind us. And uh, as kind of leaning in, as light's beginning to shine into the darkness, I, I just asked one more question. I said, what do you mean by you lost control of the car? And at that moment, the having trouble speaking and he just said well she wasn't looking at me and the only thing I thought to do was to try to get into her peripheral so I cut the wheel into her lane problem is when I did that the tires spun out and that's why I hit her and in that moment right just utter emotional tears pouring out before me and and, and I remember one of the things that he just was like it's, it's like what are you going to do? What needs to, you know, just kind of like, what, kind of like, what are you going to do to me? And I just, I was like, bro, dude, I love you. Thank you so much for getting this out of the light, get it into the light. And I began walking with him, began shepherding him through that situation. We, we talked to, he, he had an insurance agreement that he was going to basically just go, yeah, I lost control of the car. He's like, I don't think with integrity I can sign that. And I said, I don't think you can either. And so we worked with lawyers and we walked with him all along the way. It ended with, it ended with him meeting with all six of the drivers, seeking forgiveness and owning what he did. My friend was about to be dead in his sin but because of what Christ was beginning to do in his heart, he became alive. This little sleeper, I mean, this is what, I mean, I literally watched, this is what happened, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they, they do in secret. I'm not celebrating what he did, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That, 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 that verse is, Therefore, it says, some people think it's Isaiah 60. Some, some think it was a, an early church hymn, but it, the, the thing was, hey, he who was once dead is now awake. He's alive. And I watched this in my friend. This guy who didn't have a job at the time was struggling is now giving his life away in South Dallas. I mean, giving it away. I was talking to him just a couple months ago. It's like, it's like, he's like, there's a little bit of revival happening here. And uh, man, don't we all want revival? Like, we all want it. Like, and yet, 
few of us are willing to do what it takes in order for the, for the, for the culture, for, for revival to take place. For revival, just historically, as you read your Bible, right, it takes confession, it takes repentance. My friend was doing both of those, but it also takes shepherding. Because as people begin to confess and they, they need help on going, what does repentance look like? They need faithful shepherds to come alongside them. City Bridge, we need faithful shepherds if we are to be in a live church. And so if you've been here for a while and you aren't actively shepherding someone, go find wherever you're serving. Ask your ministry lead, hey, I wanna start shepherding some people. We need you in the game if the, we are to be in a live church. And if this is your first time here or second time here, or, or maybe you're stuck, I want you to know this is a safe place to confess. When we say high call and safe place, we, we want you to know we will walk with you. There's no sin in this room that is gonna scare us away from you. There's no sin in this room that we're not willing to walk with you through it if you are. Let us in, invite us in, right? This isn't a safe place for that sin once it's exposed because we're gonna uproot it and we're gonna start giving you and showing you what the great life, the great high call looks like, which is an enriching life. So that second job description, we don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but we instead expose them. Let's look for job description number three, verse 15. So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That's a good start. Keep reading though. Making the best use of the time. I like it. The, the ESV says making best use of the time. I think it's the NIV that says make the most of every opportunity. I think that is a better translation in this instance. So the third one is, right, make the best use of every opportunity. Paul doesn't use the word. It, it would have been different if Paul had used the word chronos here. Chronos is this idea of calendar time. Of the, 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 in, the, the implication here would have been you better make use of every second, of every minute, of every day, of every, you know, of every week, of every month, of every year. That would have been the implication maybe if he had used chronos, but he used a different word here. He used the word kairos, which implies a period of time. So the idea is look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the periods of time that God gives you. Right? And so employees, how are you doing at making the best use of the period of time you have with your colleagues, with, with your bosses, with your employees, right? You don't have to, you don't have to be, share the gospel every single second of every single day, but it's how you model your life over a period of time. It's how you eventually move, build in towards building spiritual conversations with people, make the best use of the period of time. I hope this is freeing for some of the young parents in the room, it, or parents of young children, moms, dads in the room, right? There's a lot of things that mark the period of time of parenting, one of which I would not say is efficiency. Am I right? Right? Some of it, it takes us 20 minutes to just get kids in the car, right? So, so it would be wiser to sometimes just leave them at home. <laughs> Maybe not. When we clean the house, our kids, my, my two-year-old wants to clean. You know how much cleaning we get done with my two-year-old? Zippo, right? But she wants to clean, and so we make the most of those opportunities. The time, it's not about efficiency, right? It's about building into them, showing them your love, showing them you spending time with them, making memories. And so it's why we sing, we clean to it's a hard knock life. We got the Annie soundtrack. We got the troll soundtrack on and we just dance and have fun. We get no cleaning done. That comes for when they're in bed. 
but we make the best opportunity. And so just moms of young children especially, hey, keep going. Make the best use of the opportunity. This is not about efficiency, okay? You go love your kids. You keep pouring truth into them. Stick with it, okay? Make the best use of the time. The idea is enrich it, not squeeze it out every last second for efficiency, but enrich it. Because the days are evil, it says. So therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The days are evil, we, therefore do not be foolish. Can, I, I see two things happening. Uh, one's externally and, and one's internally, right? Externally, can, doesn't it feel like the forces, whatever you wanna call that government, just the culture, the other people, just don't you feel it kind of starting to squeeze the church a little bit? Don't you, don't you kind of feel like, Man, that maybe some of the religious freedom that we've experienced here for close to three centuries is, is at risk? Sure looks that way. Let me just remind you the truth. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. It cannot prevail against us. There's no external force. They can take away our tax-exempt status. They can smear our name. They can close our building down. They can even arrest us. The faithful, alive church of Christ will prevail. Don't you think when, the, when Paul was running around planting churches all over the Middle East, don't you think the enemy was like, I gotta figure out how to stop this guy. He is planting Christians all over the world, right? The Lord was using him to, to build up the church and the enemy's like, we gotta shut this down, right? He stirs up people in every location. Eventually he gets arrested. What does Paul do? Picks up a pen and starts writing. Writes, at, writes the letter to Ephesians. You and I are still reading it 2,000 years later, being encouraged by it. The enemy probably wants that one back. Dang it. Probably should have just let them keep planting churches and maybe hope something happens to those and, and, and we wouldn't continue to be fed and spurred on by his words. The gates of hell cannot prevail, right? Evil can't stop the alive church. God's name will be exalted, so there's no need to panic. We don't, pan we don't worship the freedom to worship. We worship the living sovereign God who is sovereign over all epics, all periods of time, all kairoses. He's sovereign over all nations, over all rulers, and his name will be exalted, right? That's externally, but internally, the days can be evil. We have to stay on mission serving Christ. The church of Christ will prevail, but that doesn't mean every individual church of, of Christ will prevail. It doesn't mean City Bridge will prevail. We have to continue internally doing what it takes, making the most of every opportunity and preserving the unity here, right? Just in the last 15 months, I've watched, I've watched just some of the internal friction that's begun to bubble up. Should we wear masks or should we not wear masks? Should we socially distance or should we not? Should we quarantine? Should we not quarantine? Should we even meet as a church or should we not meet as a church? And then there's, there's been the political discourse and then there's been, there's been a lot of other issues that have bubbled up and I've watched us begin to kind of fracture over those. We've begun to divide over those and I'm just here to tell you, right? At the end of the day, this church, the alive church is about Christ and Christ crucified. The day we stop preaching that, leave the building and I hope I'm beating you to the door, right? 
And so as those, as those fractures, as those feelings, as those disagreements bubble up, we do what I've watched a lot of other faithful women do, which is to go, hey, help me understand. Help me understand why we do it this way. Why are we meeting? Why is it this? Why are we, so just keep fighting for unity. Make the most use of that opportunity, right? Let light shine in on, on those conversations, on those frustrations, and let's work together. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Because here's what, I'm, here's what I get excited. You want me to get excited about our parking lot? Let me tell you this. Have we shared in two or three years, that parking lot's about to be entirely different. There's a huge multi-use uh, uh, building project that's coming. Apartment complexes, restaurant, retail, all sorts of things. Literally, the Lord is gonna be dropping thousands of people over there across the parking lot from us. And I want us to be ready to make, every, to make that opportunity count. Are you with me? And the way that we won't be ready is if we fracture on the inside and so we have to keep moving towards one another. I'm not saying you have to agree with every last thing we do here. I'm just saying let's have conversations about it. Healthy people can disagree and still serve alongside and still humbly serve with others. And so let's keep moving because I get fired up about what the Lord's about to drop in our parking lot. Yeah, and so let's be ready. I want us to be ready to make the best use of that opportunity. It's one of the things that marks the Alive Church. Fourth, Don't be foolish, understand what the will of the Lord is, and then do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but you be filled by the, the, the connotation, be ruled by the Spirit. Don't quench them. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is the fourth of our job descriptions today. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We speak truth to one another, even when it looks like evil's winning. We keep singing making melody to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always and everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We keep singing. The alive church stays courageous, even when it makes no sense, right? Christians sing and should sing at the most um, interesting of times, right? Like, it, it always encourages my heart when I, hear, when I hear and watch believers sing, like say at a funeral, right? But we of all people should be singing because we know that death has lost its sting and if our friend that, Trusted in Christ, we have all the reason to celebrate. And we sing at the most interesting of times. Even when, even when external forces are starting to close in on us, we sing. It's what Paul did, right? In Acts 16, one of my, one of my favorite verses, right? It's setting that up. Paul's like, the, he's sharing Christ. He's making the most of every opportunity he has in Philippi. And, 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 and the government, the authorities start coming for him. They throw him and, and Silas in jail. And it says that around midnight, in Acts 16, verse 25, that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And here's why I love it. And the prisoners were listening to them, right? When Christians sing courageously, others are listening. Others are going, what's happening? The jailer listened so closely, he went reaching out to them and goes, hey, what, do, what, Paul, what, what must I do to be saved? And it changed his eternity. Changed his household's eternity. And I would argue it changed Philippi for decades because Paul and Silas sang courageously at midnight in the deeper, deep intercesses of a jail. I'm telling you, evil can't prevail against us if we're alive and courageous. I have a 
that Billy Graham used to say, when a brave man takes a stand, right, the spines of others are stiffened. You just don't know who's lifting, who's being encouraged. I had a friend um, in Hong Kong, his, uh, we'll call him Ezekiel. He was, uh, he, he was spending his life trying to get Bibles into the hands of the underground church. And, I, and, and we were meeting, uh, and I just, I, we were sharing our life stories, and, I, and he just had an energy. He had a, just a passion that I was like, hey, where does that come from? Where does that passion come from? What's your story of transformation? He's like, oh my gosh, Christ. Christ has rescued me. He, and, and he just spoke of Christ for a long time. He goes, one of the things Christ used was was watching the underground church in China sing. And, uh, and I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Is that a metaphor? And he didn't even know what that word meant. You know, I couldn't act it out for him in that moment. And, and uh, he just said, uh, said, I just, no, literally, like, I, they, when they sing, right, they, some of them in the church that I was at, the, the home church I was at, they were huddled up, whispering truth to one another. Psalms, right? Just barely audible. And he said, when we sung, he just was like, it's the most powerful whispers I've ever heard. And it stiffened my spine. And it's changed. The Lord used that. He said, hey, he went on to say a couple things. He said one thing. He said, oh, this is probably biblical, but he just said, hey, look, in heaven, be careful not to stand too close to the underground church in China, in heaven, because they got some built-up reserves to sing, right, volume-wise. He's like, they're going to be ready. But he said the second thing that, that, that just changed it, he goes, man, is I went back into Hong Kong, and every chance I have a chance to sing, I sing loud. And not just volume, but I give my life away, because I have been strengthened, right? Last couple years, I've lost contact with my friend Ezekiel, if you've been familiar with what's happened in Hong Kong. I think he's probably one of the faithful whispers these days. And it makes me want to sing louder, both right there and in my life. Look, those days may eventually come for here, right? We may start to get squeezed here. I don't know, but don't panic. Stick to the game plan. Stick to the job description. And it would, it's going to be okay. And in the meantime, those days aren't fully yet here. And so you sing loud. You make the most of every opportunity. You walk sacrificially and you help shepherd the body. And what does it look like to be on mission? That's the job description of an alive church. And I'm watching it here and I want us to stick with it and to not lose heart, right? Let's not walk away from our first love. Let's keep getting after it, City Bridge. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.